Hey there, welcome to A Woman's Sacred Truth, a podcast where we are going to explore some uncomfortable and often even painful experiences, but also the joy and satisfaction that comes from moving beyond what has hurt us as we reach new levels in our life, which feels like, honestly, the best thing ever. Hey ladies, welcome. Welcome to the podcast this week. Today on A Woman's Sacred Truth, I had the pleasure of speaking with Molly and we had a lovely chat. She is a beautiful woman, very smart, very successful. And and yet here she was at 50 when we met last year with some uh, with some crap going on in her life. And it's like, I was so just so proud and impressed with anyone who decides to put their hand up and say, you know what, I need to make a shift. I need to make a shift on a few things and I deserve an upgrade. So I'm gonna figure this out. And so that's exactly what Molly is doing. She is in the process as we all are. And for Molly, it, uh, the biggest thing for her was healing that core wound of rejection. Ugh, right to the heart. <laughs> So figuring out all, all that out. And then also, of course, you know, the layers of shame that we carry and how that deeply affects our, you know, self-image. And then, of course, how we treat ourselves. So it's a wonderful conversation. Lots of little gems in there for you. But before we dive into the episode, two things I want to share with you. Number one. Tomorrow, Wednesday, December 13th, I'm going to be having a really amazing, exciting, powerful masterclass on true female power. So if you're listening to this in time, make sure you reach out and get registered for that. It's going to be amazing. They'll also be recorded so you can listen to it in the future. And coming up in the new year, I talked about this last week. <laughs> I'm going to be holding a monthly, well, actually bi-weekly, so every two weeks, we're going to be gathering. And this is for any woman at all. You just have to be a woman. And we're going to be gathering every two weeks to come together for, well, number one, for alignment, okay, to align back in with your natural state of abundance and accountability and then action, okay? I'm still playing around with a few names for the group, none worthy of even mentioning right now. So it's still percolating, but it's it's set every two weeks. So if this is you, if you want a, just a beautiful little group to be a part of, to keep yourself on track and in alignment, this is going to be for you. And again, it's open for any woman. It doesn't matter if you worked with me before or not. So message me about that. You can send me an email, whichever you like. And yeah, so I'm really excited for you to listen to today and enjoy. Yay, Molly. I'm so glad you're here. Yay. We're going to have an opportunity today to dive in to a little bit of, of what you've gone through in your life and what you've learned and how it has shaped you and, and some of those experiences and what you've learned and how you've grown and evolved from all of that. Because I think, actually, what was the date? When did we, when did we meet? Was it you were, you were 50. Yeah, no, November. Okay, one year ago, almost exactly. Super. All right. So welcome, Molly. Why don't you share whoever is um, listening? Just give them a little snippet of anything about you that might be relevant so they can kind of understand. Yeah, I, I will be 52 
next month. So I'm in that super fun age of, uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's a lot of change, bodily change and, um, things kind of becoming more clear. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I'm a recovering Californian and I am up in sort of the uh, Northwest part of the United States right. now. And I'm a, I'm a wife and a mom and a daughter. When did you do the exit? Uh, it's been two years. Two years since you did the big exit. So a little bit of in the middle of COVID, post-COVID, yeah. when did you? Ju- uh, yeah, fall okay. of uh, 2021. You're not the first person on that that I know of that has, you know, made that decision to get the hell out of California. Oh, my God. Which seems wild. You and I are the same age. And, you know, my whole life, California has just kind of seemed like the most dreamy, sunshiny, you know, picture perfect place almost in the world. Right. And yet, lo and behold, people are getting the hell out. (laughs) It's wild. Times have changed. So, yeah, it's I and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, you know, grew up down there and lived there almost my whole life. And uh, but it's just it's not it's like when someone takes something you love and, um, and it's just not, uh, it's not the same. It's so, you know, anyway, all of the things, it's just not, uh, the same old California that I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are the same age and things change. You know, I've even had thoughts. Um, this is so funny that we're diving into this right out of the gate here, but this is interesting because everybody needs to be aware of this. Like think nothing stays the same. Nothing is forever. And once you've been around for a few decades, like we have, it's, it's like, oh, okay. So to continue to try to hold on to what was forever and ever and ever, it's like, it doesn't even like make sense or exist, like forever doesn't exist. And so we have to be willing to move and shift and grow and evolve with times. And I will tell you, I'm going to put this right out here right now. I have even been having thoughts over the last two years myself of getting the hell out of Canada. Yeah. Shocker. (laughs) I can't even believe that, that that it's come to Mm. this. And I'm just like, wow, it's just not as attractive or perfect or nice or wonderful as it, as I always kind of thought that Canada was. And, um, and I personally believe that I live in the most beautiful little corner of Canada here out on the West coast. And I'm still like, you know what? I, I don't think I'll be staying here for (laughs) too much longer. I mean, I have a a young child, so I'm a little bit locked in, but, but we'll see. Yeah. So that's really, I think it's so incredibly courageous of you to, to like make such a big move out of a a place, but let's, okay. So let's shift gears here. Let's go back. I digress. Um, Let's go back to California back in those (laughs) beautiful (laughs) classic, literally the seventies and eighties of like, Oh my God. And so there you are growing up yeah. back then. Um, and right there, you know, you've got to understand just like the time and all of that, of what that is, because it's always the backdrop too. like, it's not just what's going on in our home with our parents and our own little, like, you know, bubble that way, but it's also the area and the community and the, the social stuff going around us that also can deeply affect us. But for you, so let's just get right into it here for you your, you know, your, your early days, early years were intense, right? There was some real intensity at, at times, right? Where yeah. the classic, the classic of, of feeling like you yeah. were like walking on eggshells, 
Oh, so, so take us back into just some of that energy or some of the, um, you know, the, the little bits of, of your, of those early days, right? Seventies, early eighties, before you hit the teen years, right? That's when everything always <laughs> shifts. But when you're still just a kid and this is your home and you've got your parents there and your brother. And, and, uh, so give us just a glimpse into what it was like sometimes for you. I grew up, yeah, my mom, dad, and and brother, all, the four of us in our little, uh, very quintessential Southern California <laughs> Spanish style bungalow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It looks like every other house. Um, in a lot of ways, it was a good childhood, but uh, a lot of anger. So my mom grew up in an alcoholic house and, and we never yep. really had alcohol in our home, but she would say now, that her behavior was very alcohol, like that of an alcoholic, very volatile. It was common that we were kind of wondering who mm. was coming home that day. Um, just mm-hmm. real unpredictable. And mom was in charge. We were all just kind of along for the ride. And so when things were good, things were really good. And um, But when when my mom would get overwhelmed with being a working mother, in the late seventies, early eighties in a, in an area of Los Angeles where a lot of the moms were still home, but she was a working mom and kind of resented being a working mom. But yeah, she, she, uh, it was a lot of screaming, a lot of rage and we joke about it now, but Saturday morning rage gardening (laughs) was, a real thing for us. It was like, she had this, she had these windows of time where she was home and we could get things done. And if everybody wasn't on point at their stations, screaming rage. Um, and we just had to hang on until she kind of came, came down from, from, from her, like a, like a rage cloud. Yeah. She was obviously you know, she had come through her own hardship, which we don't need to go into in any of that because at the, when you're a kid, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't care what your parents have been through. All you care is how they're treating you and the home that they're right. creating for you and how they are connecting and loving you. And so your experience with your own mom was pretty intense and pretty scary at times, right? And I love that you shared there how, you know, she was the one in, in charge. She was the one controlling everything and and your dad and your brother and you were all just like hanging on just hanging on so it's a bit of a you know again it gives when you're walking on eggshells and you don't know what you're going to get from your parent it always feels like for me you know when I'm working with women it's like tuning into um feeling like you're in a war zone and you just have to like dodge the bullets and you're always on edge of like is there going to be another bullet flying like another you know, explosion or is something going to be, am I going to get yelled or was she, I can't remember now, was she, um, was she ever physically abusive or just extremely verbally abusive? No. Um, I mean, I feel like I remember getting like smacked in the face a couple times, but really the, but really the bad, the worst was just, um, just her screaming and, and really, um, you know, she didn't feel like anybody was helping her and she was in this Mm -hmm. all on her own. And, 
we were just, you know, being normal. <laughs> we were being normal kids. I know that now, but at the time I really internalized, oh, mm-hmm. I'm a piece of shit because I, instead of doing the dishes, as soon as I got home, I waited a little while. And then when she came in, I was still doing, you know, there was never, there was never going to ever be good enough yep. in her house. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and not a lot of help. Yeah. I remember you sharing, right. It was, it was that feeling from her that how you like, again, that shameful kind of like, I'm bad. I'm always doing something wrong. That's just how little kids internalize, right? If, if their parent is treating them a certain way, they make up the story. And, and for you, that was, that was the story, right? Which ultimately, let's open up this core wound here of yours, which made you feel, I mean, yes, you know, less than uncomfortable, but ultimately rejected, right? Like it was a, it was a heartbreaking experience for you not to have access to your mom's love, right? Yeah. And I think, um, I I think I shared a story with you about, um, just a time when I was really trying to connect with her over, you know, her terrible childhood and she responded. I was really coming to her with a super open heart, wanting to connect over that as a very like, like little kid, I've always been super empathetic. So I went and I, and I just said, Hey, you know, I saw this picture of your dad and she, she came back and just shut it down immediately. She was not, I guess, wherever she was in her life at that time, she was not prepared to talk about it. And so when coming to her with a super wide open heart and just kind of getting kind of verbally smacked away. And again, I felt awful because I had opened up this really dark Mm -hmm. memory for her. And I was like, why can't I just ever keep my mouth shut? Why can't and yeah, really internalized it. It was a real turning point for you. Like it was like a bit of a, a, like a nail in the coffin kind of moment. And in that moment, there was this, like, let's say wall established <laughs> for you then, which then set you on this yeah. pattern, this path, this, you know, yeah. belief system of like, I need to isolate and I now need to like almost reject myself, abandon myself, because this is, this is what love looks like, especially from a woman, right? This is how my own mother is giving love to me because it's all a form of love, even though it feels incredibly painful and harsh and like, uh, right? So this becomes your pattern then because it's been building, but then it usually takes one really like supercharged instant, just like this. And just like you said, you came to her with like wanting to connect heart wide open, da da da. And it's like, no. And just like that, it's like, oh, and we get pretty locked in and for a long time. Right. And then it shows up as we go along through the years, um, oh wow, I, now I I'm get really good at rejecting myself, abandoning myself, and even isolating then my own love from other people. Because this is how you've been taught. This is how it's been shown, right? It's wild. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do in a house like that was make, was trigger that rage in her, mm. right? And so I didn't play by the rules. It was like I was I was the one who set her off that day. And now my whole family is going to 
going to get the wrath when we all get home tonight. Cause I took that path just, just not even out of like bravery, just out of like, gosh, I, my poor mom, (laughs) you know, and, and trying to like, just love her. But that day I was the one that, that triggered the the beast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You really messed up there, Molly. Yeah. Trying to have a, you know, a moment with your mom and connect around something. Sheesh. I know. <laughs> yeah. And so there it is. It's like, oh, okay. The message is clear. I'm just going to hide. I'm just going to hide my heart. That's what I'm going to do. That Because that's the safest. Because I don't want to, hurt, or, you know, I don't want to get hurt and I don't want to hurt anybody else. And Obviously, yeah. me opening my heart and wanting to connect, yeah, that that just leads to problems. That leads to problems. So then you let's move forward a little bit here, because I know through the teens, it was kind of, you know, a little bit of up, down, back and forth. And yeah, tell me, when did uh, when did you recognize for yourself as you got just a little bit older there that you started to, let's say, inflict upon yourself? <laughs> your own bad habits or, you know, painful behaviors or when did you start to see that start to come out? Um, well, you know, I come from one of those families that is always on a diet. So there was always a lot. So the females in my family, um, there's a lot of very high standards physically, educationally a little bit, um, but financially for sure. Um, and I just never felt like I measured up to any of it. So I just remember a lot of mm. food shame. I felt like, <laughs> sounds weird, but sort of like the only blue collar kid in a mm. white collar family. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You know, I'm just um, a little dumber, a little fatter, a little too loud. So, you know, I, I feel like I walked through being a kid, being a younger teenager as like a very exuberant life, but until I am, until somebody told me how embarrassing it was, or, you know, I would say something that that someone would say, oh, that's embarrassing. Don't say that. And, you know, so I felt like I was always kind of just getting, uh, like swatted down. And so that turned into some... I don't know if I would use the word eating disorder, but a real like weird relationship Mm -hmm. with food. And then I would go through these cycles where I was super disciplined and, you know, I would lose weight. And then, and I noticed that, oh, everybody likes me Mm. if I'm skinny. And so that, then that becomes like, oh, I have to stay, Mm -hmm. I have to stay like this. Because then people don't think I'm embarrassing or they don't turn, they don't, they don't reject me if I'm, if I look a certain way. So my teenage years was a lot of, I feel like when I kind of felt an imposter syndrome, because I know on the inside, I'm a train wreck (laughs) and I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or be the wrong way. But I look like a typical Mm -hmm. Southern California girl, like I'm a little Southern California beach bunny Mm -hmm. and people like that. And so if I can just, but then the, the relationship with food would come up and, um, and then I would fail because then I would gain weight. Wow. You had some really, yeah, strong 
you had some strong, um, let's say, made up storylines, you know, through your mom and your grandma, right through that maternal line of how women should look and behave and be and, you know, um, and if you're not that, basically you're fucked, right? It, It was pretty rigid. Um, let's say, yeah, a lot of projection of, and so when the storylines are that like defined, let's say, if you're not that there's going to be a ton of shame for not being like, like what they're saying you have to be. And that was funny when you said you were like the, the blue collar in a white collar family. And it's like, why is that bad? Like, you know what I mean? And this, this is the thing yeah. with all these stories that come through from our parents and grandparents and, and, uh, and especially that grandparent generation, holy moly, right? Because it's, it's all about survival. And they've got it locked in their mind that there's only one way to survive. And for mm-hmm. women, for women way back then, it was like, you got to look this way, be this way, do this, do to do, do, right? Or like, again, you're never going to get married. You're never going to, I don't know, get a job. You're never going to, if that's even part of what their storyline is. Because for a lot of families, it's not about that. You don't want to work. But then some, it's like, you got to work. So again, it's all just made up around someone's idea of what it's going to take to survive. Okay. You have to be this way. You got to get into this lane and in this box or else again, Mm, you're going to be like royally screwed here. Like you're not even going to be able to like barely live, right? Like no one will want you or you're not going to be able to work or whatever the story is, but it's all just made up. (laughs) It's all just made up. But when all that gets projected onto you, especially from the grandparent and the parent, because I've seen it, whoa, does the level of shame become really intensified? It's reinforced. And that, you know, for, for the female, the woman, it's like, and I love what you're saying here is how, how deeply then it affected your like inner and outer, like the way you're looking and I'm not fitting into the right box here. And it's like, yeah, it's just like a, a, just a cluster of, (laughs) yeah, inside of us. And there you are. And it's like, okay. So yeah, teenage turmoil. And where did that end up taking you? Yeah. So during the teenage years, I definitely had myself in the right box. <laughs> so, but it, but the anxiety and the stress of like mm. keeping myself there, that was a lot. And then, you know, I had a pretty bad breakup in my, like, I think I was maybe 20. Um, and it was the same thing. It was this rejection of who I really was. Because you feel like already the story was, but already your storyline that early was, I deserve to be rejected. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be rejected because that's what your your core wounding was all about, right? Through the heart, right? Um, whether it comes through his heartbreak, abandonment, you name it. But it's just like, I deserve to be rejected yeah. for who I am. That was your primary wounding. Well, he fa- he found <sighs> out who I really was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he 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 realized who I really was and that person was unacceptable. So mm. of course he broke up with me. And reconfirmed, right? Um your belief. And then that's what he what that's what he did for you. We talked about this recently, right? How he reconfirmed in that moment was actually a gift, right? Yeah. But of course it would take many many moons later to figure that out. So 
So 20s. What, tell me when you actually, because you ended up taking some medication, right, for, for something. So do you want to just share when some of those things started to come up for you? Yeah. Um, so after the breakup, actually not too long after that breakup, I actually met my husband, who I'm still married to today. But coming off of a huge rejection, Jason, you know, who everything about me is like, I, I, actually, I actually was very mm. much myself around him um, because he's mm. very blue collar, actually. <laughs> and um, and it, it was like he was just in love with everything about me. And we got married really, really quickly because I felt like, oh, my gosh, I can totally trust this person. And although it was an impulsive I mean, we were, we were married like maybe within a year, mm-hmm. a year and a half of knowing each other. But I remember making the decision that I felt safe with him and I didn't think he would ever betray me. And that was, you know, untrue about seven years later, <laughs> but I trusted him and, and we got married and, and had kids and so the pregnancies really kind of triggered some, I mean, it triggers some hormonal instability, right? But it, yeah, really, um, I, I came out of, of those childbearing and I had kids, you know, I think I had my older daughter when I was 24 or 25, you know, so I was pretty young having the girls and, but yeah, some depression came out of it and, um, and started taking medication. My mom had also recently started taking medication and it like really turned things around (laughs) for her long enough to get her to seek some therapy and kind of work on it. And, um, yeah, so, so a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety and just flat out anger came up in my twenties about how I, I didn't just get to be Molly. Yeah. And, oh, dang it. Am I going to cry in the podcast? (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I'm Mm -hmm. pissed. I'm still pissed because I love that little girl. Like I love the little girl that I was all of the exuberance, Mm -hmm. all the messiness, gosh, like a huge heart, huge heart. And, uh, so, so, so now what I, what I was angry about was how much, uh, She was made to hide. She was made to hide and feel scared, right? You couldn't just be free. You couldn't just be open. Like it was too scary, too much of a threat, right? Of fear. And you weren't being protected. And, you know, know we haven't spoke about your dad yet, but this is that element of, uh, of you didn't feel safe to trust him because he wasn't protecting you. He wasn't, you know, your parents had a bit of the role reversal, right? Like your mom was the controlling, domineering one, right? With her, you know, imbalances, let's say, right? Yes. And your dad didn't step up, right? He didn't step up and, and you know, literally put her in her place and protect you kids from all of this chaos and fear and things like that, right? So you couldn't trust him to keep you safe because he right. wasn't. He wasn't. And so that's going to then, you know, pour into your adult relationship as a grown woman. And I love that you made that mental note, like, I'm going to trust this man that I'm marrying, right? He's not my dad. 
and you always wanted that safety and trust. That was such a big thing for you because you never got it and you needed it desperately for real. And so then you get this great man that you have been just blessed to to um, connect with and have this amazing long-standing marriage with and kids and everything. And you knew that that was something that was going to be like so important, right? Like I am going to trust this man. I want to be safe with this man. Like I can be, and I know it's going to (laughs) happen. But deep down, you had another belief that was actually running the show. There was a program that actually you because of what you went through in your, those early years, right. Um, that, uh, actually I can't trust a man to protect me and keep me safe. He's gonna let me down because that's actually what happened to you when you were a little kid, right. With your own dad to a degree. Right. So it was like, that's actually what the program running is. And so even though you didn't want that to be true and you, and and you got this great man that you're married to, you know, (laughs) Ah, the subconscious just has this way of making it true. What we believe, what deep down is going to come true for us. But then it gives us the opportunity to overcome it. And that's the beauty, right? It's like, no, I can move through this and and actually find that more um, beautiful, like, feel good place on the other side. If I move through this limiting belief that I'm holding on to, dissolve that and then come into contact with, you know, like the promised land, like where the love and the trust and the acceptance that's going into that poor wound of yours of rejection, right. Is to fully love and accept myself, right. To come into the deepest connection with my own heart and my own soul and my own little being, even though I didn't get all that now as an adult grown woman, in the beautiful container that is this marriage that I'm in, all the safety is just like built right into it there because you guys are so committed. Like it's beautiful, right? I can move into all of those places safely and connect with that, that love and that acceptance and that trust within myself. <gasps> How does that land? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, um, the script that, that this man, that I'm going to be able to trust this man, whether or not that's true and whether or not, because, because people, people make mistakes, right. And, um, it things, you know, human relationships are, are messy. Right. Um, (laughs) but the, but the ability to be open to that and to just work through it, like with, some real, real, real honesty and not have it be like it was in my mother's house where my communication's mm. going to be screaming. It's, um, no, we're just, you know what, we're going to, we're going to just actually mm. have a discussion <laughs> and, and I'm going to let you know how I feel. And, but, but the trust that I'm going to be okay, that's something that is new in my toward my late forties and early fifties is, um, is what's really nice. And Jason and I, I think, I think when you and I first talked, you asked mm-hmm. where my marriage was mm-hmm. on a scale from one to five. And I said, ah, it's like a three. And it's, I mean, we were just sitting looking at each other the other night on the couch. Like this is the best. 
like we're having the best time. We went to Hawaii for our 30th anniversary in July and, and we're empty nesters. Now our girls are both officially moved out and we're just having the best time. The Saturday morning home Depot date is the most fun, <laughs> is the most fun thing of the week. Like just getting out and, and being together and being silly yeah. and, yeah. um, yeah, all of a sudden we're just having we're just having the best time and Well, I would say that was more, more the most profound work that that we did together was when we was when we got into those heart-centered weeks of having you making those beautiful shifts because remember, your mom, the role model that you had growing up, you know, she was clearly in her masculine, right? Mm, raging, controlling, you know, and wounded masculine. That's what I mean, right? So so yes. you didn't even actually ever know what it f- knew knew what it f- felt like to witness and to feel and to be exposed to like an open feminine heart. And so that was so much of what we did was bringing you into yes. that safe place within your own being where you're not going to reject and you're not going to abandon yourself and you're not going to hide behind the walls around your heart. You're going to open your heart (laughs) and start to share and connect and communicate from that softer, more surrendered place within yourself, right? To get that polarity um, back into proper alignment in your own relationship, right? Because, you know, you're a working woman, right? And, uh, And so you had been very much up in your head. And, and then, of course, hiding behind the walls around your heart. And, yeah. and again, like when we don't grow up with this, it might seem so easy on the one hand. I swear to God, it just seems that way. But when you've never like lived it and had it role modeled to you and felt it and your experience was completely the opposite, right? So then for you to drop into this space was like, dear God, scary, scary business. <laughs> But you've done it. And I know it's a work in progress. It always is. But yeah. you have just gotten so much better at at it. And then, of course, you know, I love hearing how you're having these moments now where it's like, oh, my God, you guys are like a couple of teenagers now. <laughs> yeah, I think when I first started working with you, I didn't even really understand the words that were coming out of your mouth. <laughs> As far as <laughs> like letting go and dropping in and being open because I've lived in my head. And I realize as I'm sitting here talking to you that my two degrees are on the wall behind my head. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. But um, <laughs> but I had spent so much time in that world where I run shit at work. It's like I'm in charge, right? And um, I, I kind of had come to this place where I really was kind of mm-hmm. emasculating my husband because in my work, I am so, I'm, I'm very capable and um, like, Oh, I'm, I, I run stuff there. I run stuff here yeah. and I'm just super in charge and the ability mm-hmm. to soften. Yeah. I just was not practiced at it. And I can look back at that little girl that I was and I'm like, Oh man, she was nailing it every day. <laughs> but I just out of survival had, you know, kind of just so, so closed off and, 
and really lived in masculine to the point where, yeah, I just kind of didn't understand what you were talking about at first until I started practicing some of those heart centered exercises with my husband. And I would say something and he would like light up. And I was like, (gasps) he thinks I'm sexy. (laughs) I know, because you've actually got yourself like a total man's man. Like he couldn't even be more masculine if he tried. And it was so funny that this is how you guys had kind of flip-flopped. And and so this is the positive side, just so you know. There's a positive and negative to absolutely every experience that you could ever go through it. So when a woman, a girl, grows up in a home like yours, especially with a mother like yours, you actually are going to learn a lot of skills from that. <laughs> and so when you set, up and set out into the work world, it actually gives you almost a level up to be like, like kind of like just naturally, like you are ready for war. You're ready for combat. You're ready to just crush it and kick ass and take names and all that kind of thing. And you can just turn it on. And you have, you also personally have a very strong mind. So those, all those factors together, not that they make it easier, but like they definitely, you know, can make it so it's, it is, you know, easier to excel in the work world, but then you come home, (laughs) then we come home and it's like, oh, now what kind of woman and wife do I want to be? And we have, the woman has to shift gears. She just has to or else you're going to struggle. There's going to be suffering and it's going to affect you so profoundly physically. This isn't just an emotional like, "Hmm, you know, oh, it'd be nice. No, your body, because you are a feminine being, your body is going to, you know, you're going to run into walls here physically if we don't get you shifting back into contact with that deeper feminine essence that wide open loving heart, right? Where you can really relax into the deepest part of your being. Yeah. And that transition um, was really, I think something that we talked about, I needed to be really intentional about was Mm -hmm. that shift from being at work and then um, coming home and that, um, that transition into really who I really am. Yeah. Cause who I am at work kicking ass and stuff. That's really not, that's really not me. Who I really am is who I am when I'm at home, but I just wasn't, I wasn't, that transition wasn't happening. So I'm like, and I think that's, when you talk about Mm -hmm. stuff that comes up physically, if you're never, if you're never like authentic and it just, of course, your body's going to like revolt, but that's part that's become really important. Absolutely. I love that you said that word. (laughs) Yeah, that transition to come home and um, be in my body. And again, I think I remember you saying that early on. I was like, what the hell is she talking about? I I am in my body. I don't know. (laughs) But um, letting go, letting go of that daily, uh, daily script and roll and roll. I guess that, you know, you always talk about the role that you, that you um, are in at work. It is a role. It's really not who, well, for me, it's not who I am. That's just the work that I do. It's a role or like it's part of your character and that's cool. It's all good. But yeah, when we're home and we're back in like woman mode, wife mode, and even sometimes mother mode, ideally we are more relaxed. 
We're not on, we're relaxed, right? So we drop down deeper into more of those, let's say, fundamental or, or, your, or your deeper design, right? It, it's not the character. It's not the role. It's literally who you are, like biologically in your DNA, right? So there's no, you know, facade or whatever. And, and it's, it's all good and it's all fun, but that's where we want you to be more often than not, everyone, because when we are in the deepest contact in a more relaxed um, place, that's where true well-being is flowing, right? There's no tension. There's no tension, right? That's stress, right? So when you're in that deeper flow, um, that's where true health lives. And it's always there available for anyone. I really believe that when we remove all any sort of tension, stress, performance, storyline, blah, 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 right? And we come into those deeper layers. It's like, oh, right. It's within everybody, right? To, to do that work, to shed all of that um, and then come into contact with that. And then that's where that really high level health and well-being live. So then we can live more from that place. Um, and I love, I, I have to interject here when you said, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Like, I, I'm in my body. It's like, where's your awareness though? I know a lot of people sometimes when I've said that, they're like, what do you mean? I'm not in my body. It's like, right. no, you're in your fucking head. <laughs> I know that's part of your body. Like I get it. Right. But like, yeah, you know, bring your awareness down into your throat, into your lungs, into your heart, into your belly, into your womb, into your hips. Like that's being in your body in that more felt place. So it's like, where is your awareness? Okay. Just if people are like, yeah, yeah what does that mean? <laughs> so where are you at? Now, I'm curious because we actually haven't <laughs> spoke for um, a little bit. Where are you at now when it comes to that that physical health factor? Because I know you've had some years where you've been on some medication um, that was needed. And, and so where are you at now on this journey of coming home to deeper health, deeper well-being? It's become way more important to me to hmm. care for my body to just care for myself in, in all of those wellness ways that earlier, um, I would think, Oh, those things are important, but they were only important because I needed to fit back in that box. Mm. Now I'm realizing I want to remove anything that is going to keep me from being who I'm supposed to be. And so the way my body feels is going to be really important. The way my mind is working is going to be really important. So that's kind of, that's kind of how that attitude is, has shifted. I'm, and of course I'm not perfect at it because there are years of running to food yeah. or other things for numbing or escape or whatever. But the, I, I have noticed that the shift is kind of a joy I've been looking at different like recipes that are um, mm. anti-inflammatory. And, and so it, the focus isn't so much, I need to get back in the box so people will like me. It's, I, I kind of feel like I have things to do. I have a reason that I'm here. And um, the better I can care for myself, yeah. it's just going to open some doors that physically and mentally I have kind of kept closed for a long time. Yeah, I think for you, it's, and for a lot of women, it's what can, instead of thinking, 
oh, I need to do this to fix myself, right? What can I actually do to love myself? It's such a perspective shift, yeah. right? So mm. coming at it like, I need to change, I need to fix, I need to alter because something's wrong with me, right? Instead, it needs to be, how can I love myself more? How can I treat myself with more love today? How can I nourish myself today that would feel more loving? How can I do some sort of movement or creative whatever that's more loving? So it all comes from a place of, I'm just going to meet myself where I am at today with love and acceptance. And I'm only going to do and eat and consume or connect with, have a relationship with people and things and that actually feels more like love and genuine like nourishment, right? Rather than, oh, if I eat this or do this or do, 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 it's so that I can change something <laughs> or fix something because I'm broken or I'm, I'm wrong or I'm this. It's like, no, no, right. no, no, I'm just going to love myself. And so I'm going to eat things and drink things and do things that feel like love. Because that's what it's all about. I'm just going to start to worship my own being <laughs> instead yeah. of trying to change it or fix it. Yeah, you talked about you talked about um, the being on the I'm on the love program now, <laughs> and that that made sense to my brain because yeah, what does this does what I'm doing right now feel like love? And now, doggone it! All of a sudden, when it doesn't, I feel it like in my integrity. Yeah, like my uh, the the integrity and the authenticity. It's like ooh, that's ugh, gross. Like yeah. I don't. That's not. Yeah, that doesn't feel like me. I created a um, a playlist. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I created this playlist of this music that that just Beautiful. lifts me up and and really reminds me of who that little girl who that little girl was that I started out and I titled oh. it "Becoming Her" because she deserves to become. That's how I kind of feel like it. Like I'm doing all this work now to just tell her. None of that's true. And guess what? You get to be exactly who you are. And I'm not there. Like we've, uh, you know, I, I, some stuff came up recently that was, gosh, every real relationship in my life, it's like women, kind of men, but mo more like my female friendships, there's just been so much rejection. And so now I'm doing, I'm just kind of trying yeah. to unwind that and see like, what was the truth there? The truth was that I was completely wide open for those people and they chose to reject and to, I don't know mm -hmm. if I was too much for them or whatever it was. I don't, I don't know if I should really go down that tunnel or not to figure out gosh, why, why would they, but anyway, um, mm -hmm. I know I was wide open. You were wanting to be wide open. The, and this is why we connected because you knew that, you know, these knots were just like, you couldn't take it any longer, right? So you are safe to open and you've wanted to open and you've wanted to have these loves, love and connection. But the stronger yeah. program that had always been running for the past, you know, well, we met when you were 50. So let's just say mm -hmm. five decades, it had been running basically, if not 45, let's say, um, of I deserve to be rejected. I'm expecting to get rejected. That's actually the energy 
that you've been putting out, right? So yeah, you yeah. that right. So that's it's just going to keep coming back in all different forms. So it's not about them. It's never about the other person, right? It's always what we're actually believing we deserve and what we are worth from those really old patterns and programs until we choose to see first for a lot of people, you got to find them, you got to see them, you got to understand them, and then they can dissolve when you start to choose something differently. So for you, it's about, yeah, I am safe to open and I am lovable. I deserve my own love and acceptance. And that's what you're doing now. And I know it's a process, right? I mean, this is all relatively newish for you, right? And so it's this, it's this process now and it just keeps growing. Um, And it, it's literally about every decision and every interaction, whether it's your food or a person or whatever, it's all about coming from that place now of, I am love, I deserve to be loved and I love and accept myself. And as we continue to open, like bring that in and I'm safe to open to that kind of energy. I mean, I'm simplifying it right now, but you, you know what I'm talking about because we've, we've done this. And, and that is when then yes. you start to see all these beautiful, some subtle shifts and some bigger unfoldings start to happen. And you have to hold yourself to this new energy, this new, literally your new frequency, your new vibe, right? Your new belief system that, no, no, I'm claiming this. This is now it. Mm. And I'm aware now. That's the big thing for you, right? You became so aware of actually what these deeper programs, patterns had been running and operating, right? And then therefore the results that you would get in your world in different ways. It was like, oh, okay, you, I'm going to ask you a couple of uh beautiful little questions here. (laughs) Please share with us, Molly, please share with us when or where do you experience the greatest sense of freedom? I am going to go with, because I'm going to drop into my body. It's just in the water. When I'm in the water, I feel like I'm internally Mm. just, I'm a mermaid and I need, (laughs) I was made to be in the water and I just feel more like myself. When I am swimming, um, looking at the water, it's um, other. Yeah. It's other world, worldly. I always feel like I'm at home when I'm in the water. It's yeah. such a full body um, sensation, right? And so, yeah it, it, yeah, it makes it so easy then to get out of our heads and into our bodies. Therefore, we empty our minds and we become, we feel so free. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, <laughs> how or with whom? Do you feel the fullest sense of love? I am a person of strong faith. And the fact that Mm. God has my back, I mean, I don't mean it to sound weird, but it's just um, the, the relationship that I have with God. It's like when men and women have failed me and, you know, I fail too, but when I have been hurt, I have always had that. Even as a child, I, I, I had that constant stability and unfailing love. Wow. Yeah. Just drops the bomb right there at the end. Holy moly, woman. I'm surprised that actually didn't come up sooner. That's really like in our call today um, because it's profound. It's literally being your saving grace is to be able to tune into and feel 
that constant stream of pure unconditional love from source. Absolutely. That's what God is. And there's nothing weird about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's life. Yeah. And it is the lifeline that, you know, as you know, everyone I work with, that's really important that we establish that lifeline. And, but you were fortunate enough to have it there from the beginning. Yay. Okay. Number three, this is the last question. <laughs> In the infinity of life where you are right now, Molly, what do you know for sure? And what is your sacred truth? What I know for sure is that I am here for a reason. God has me on a path and this is all part of it. Like I know that I am supposed to heal this so that I can be more fully who I'm supposed to be. And the process of surrendering to that, I think is really scary because I, I don't know that I feel like I'm a super controlling person, but I guess I kind of am. (laughs) surrendering to that and letting go. So on the one hand, I feel like it's scary, but then gosh, what an adventure to be on a road that I know for sure I'm on that something's there waiting. Wow. That's going to be amazing. So that's amazing. There's something so powerful and it's, it's brewing in you and it's been brewing this year and that's okay. You guys, you can never be late for this, right? You're always right on time. So, and this is so cool because this keep com- keeps coming up with you. Like, I'm so excited to like see you in, in like next year, the year after and, and what continues to unfold here for you through your 50s because yeah. there is something powerful brewing and there's a little bit more still. I can tell, we know that you're still, right? You're still doing some refinement right now and, and really kind of like, dropping into these deeper places and and getting a little more in tune still with your with your well-being, right? Like it's coming together, right? But I know it's just a little bit longer here. And as yeah. that comes, this next layer, this next piece of like, oh right, this is why and this is what and this is what I need to now yeah, step into. Yeah. There's a whole new chapter. It's right there on the horizon for you. And it's not that far away. I can feel it. It keeps coming through and it's starting to form and it's going to be opening very soon for you. Yeah. There's a lot of power. That's truly right. What it is. And, uh, and I know that you have the, um, the courage and the capabilities to like literally get this, whatever it's going to be. It just gets like, it's like, I can feel it again right now. It's just so fucking cool. Yay. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Molly. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oof. And that is a woman who is literally physically, spiritually, emotionally, Stepping into her power. Make no mistake about it. She is truly doing the work and claiming those upgrades, right? And making them so. This woman just keeps leaning in. She keeps leaning in. She keeps figuring it out. It's her time, right? It is just her time and I love it. And I would love to know what your big takeaway, what what part of this this episode what part of molly's story and what we chatted about what part really landed for you which which part is going to have the deepest impact oh my goodness we talked about like 20 different things so good 
All right. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Any questions, anything at all, if I can help you in any way, please send me uh, a message on Instagram. If you share this with someone on Instagram, tag me. And yeah, reach out if you need support, okay? And if you're hitting a wall, if you're struggling, if you're just recycling and circling round and round, it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't matter how old you are, at any point, you can be making shifts and clearing up these decades old, you know, patterns and limiting beliefs that you've been holding on to that yes, on the one hand, you know, they've got you to this point in time. But if you feel like an upgrade is on the menu for you, then let's talk. Okay, love you.